You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 186th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt, the Tummy Tucker Allen in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I don't know. I don't know. Can I? Yeah. I don't know if I can follow that one up. This is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts. I don't have a funny thing this week because little guy said something weird. So you well, guys, not only did he say something weird, he he set the bar so high. You kind of, you're kind of like George Hincapie after the uh, Lance Armstrong reign of yeah, dominance, and all of a sudden happen. he has to just jump yeah. in. Yeah, that's well, basically yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, you know it's 2018, guys. Uh, I don't know if you have New Year's resolutions. Mine is to be more serious. But you guys, oh um, yeah, I definitely have one. Mine is to ride more Zwift. Ah, well, I'm wow. definitely gonna do that too because i've never ridden it so if i ride it once mission accomplished you know uh slow ride podcast wide angle podium supporter uh sean hebb the other day was telling me that he did a five hour zwift ride oh my god and a spencer <laughs> um that you were just recently on zwift um we have some other listeners that have been on zwift mm-hmm. posting the rides to their strava with really long elaborate titles <laughs> and uh I'm just. I just got a question for you. Does it feel like riding a bike out on the road to you? Um. <clears throat> well, see, I I don't know because I haven't ridden a bike out on the road. <laughs> oh wow! Now, I, I think right. <laughs> I think uh, it does not feel like that. But I will say, the last time I had to ride a trainer, uh, uh, more than like five minutes. Um, was, was before Zwift existed and, and before, you know, probably before podcasts existed and it was terrible. It was boring. It was bad. So let, let me put it another way. Is Zwift going to replace your, your social activity? Like, like the excitement of riding, like, like rather than talking to someone, you like to press, you know, W to wave or whatever, like while you're riding. It's F2, Tim. You should know that. Um. Okay. Sorry. F2. (laughs) Um. No, it's not. You know, and the problem the problem I have is the longer I've been riding, the faster the people are that I know, that my community is, that I'm friends with. So I, you know, my my social circle decreases in the fact that I am getting slower while they stay the same speed. And so I can't go on all the same rides. That's really okay. what well, I think is more detrimental to my social circles than Zwift is. Well, do you remember... Um when we first started the podcast and you know, it's been about four years now, um, really pumping out these episodes. Mm. Do you remember when I actually, uh, signed up to have a coach for about uh, three weeks there? Do you guys I, remember this? Up I in actually Gainesville? don't, I actually like, don't. No, yeah. I don't remember, I remember you. Well, I remember you well, years before we started the podcast telling me that, uh, that year you're going to just race, you know, bread and water. The next year you're going to get a power <laughs> meter, and then in the next year after that you're going to get a coach. You had like a stepped order of seriousness, yeah. um, but I didn't know you actually uh, got a coach. 
We're, well, we've been a little on a detour. Well, at the bike shop, Old Swift Cycle at 607 West University Avenue in Gainesville, rest in peace, um, we had a guy that uh, raced on our team, and he had a coaching business, so he was going to, you know, drew up a plan and had us all going. And, uh, you know, I got to admit, uh, the first week, a little tough, did some tests, did some 20-minute efforts, you know, um, really got the numbers dialed in. And then the second week, he gives me, like, my riding plan. And he was like, yeah, no group rides for you. And I was like, oh, well, that's okay. Like, you know, I'll, I'll stick with this for a week. And it was really it was really boring and miserable because I at that moment realized that I don't care if I'm ever really fast, but I really like to just go on rides with my friends and in a group because that's my social interaction for the week. Yeah. And I have a ton of respect for these elite athletes that ride for themselves all the time. And maybe that's why Zwift is a little bit appealing for when I've done it is because you are riding with someone else, kind of, but you're not because you're in your garage or you're in your, your basement uh, just sweating to the oldies <laughs> and you're not riding with them. So like, I don't know if I can do it. Nervous. No, I, uh, I, I feel you there. And that, that's the problem I have with a lot of coaching too, is there, there's a lot of them out there that are very hard line about what they want you to do. Or, or maybe you take it that they're very hard line and don't ask them, hey, can I just, you know, do a group ride instead? And I bet you a lot of them out there, if you have a good coach, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, absolutely, do the group ride. Like, it's it's a good experience. Um, but uh, Yeah, but if you're only doing group rides, you're just going to burn yourself out. Speaking of burning yourself out, I'm coming off of a block right now, <laughs> 10 straight days of riding. I did over 350 <laughs> miles in the last uh, – week. Okay. I'm really crushing it out there. Yeah. So this entire week I'm taking off. Um, that also coincides with it being freezing down here in Florida, 45 degrees mm. oh. and um, rainy. Wow, we, that sounds bad. I think Tim. we talk a little bit too much about the weather on this podcast. I, I'm just yeah. going to put that uh, out there, but you're wrong about your all your weather takes. I am so actually taking the time off because I can't go outside. I will die, Tim. <laughs> Okay, let me let me put this um, in perspective. I was just about uh, thirty miles short of four thousand miles for the year. Do you guys know what your mile total was for the year? I do not. I do not. No records. I do not. I have. I have. Okay. So I win. Yeah, you win. <clears throat> and you know who else won? Because Segway Sam is coming through that door. Do you know who else won? Whichever company logged those miles for you. <laughs> nope. Oh, okay. Katie Compton won oh, today yes. nice. at the GP Sven Nice in Ball. And dominating fashion, despite taking a first crash or first lap crash mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. digger, she came back. Now you guys may have you guys may have seen this crash. No, I missed at the it. Start I there. missed it. Um, I thought, Tim, I got I got to ask you, uh, uh, how were the conditions today? They were muddy. They were, and it was muddy. so entertaining to watch. I think Whoa. muddy cyclocross races are the best things ever to watch. It was exciting. <laughs> it was fantastic. Do they go in the pit? Do they not go into the pit? There is so much there. I can't believe anybody would say that a dry Las Vegas style cyclocross mm-hmm. race would be more exciting. Yeah. But can we get to the bigger and more important story sure. here? And that is once again Sporza failing to show the women's race from the start on the purchased and free because of the Trek sponsorship DVV coverage yeah. that on was the a website. Bummer. We couldn't even we couldn't see Katie Compton crash and then go back through the pack. We get the final 15 minutes of the race, of which 
they take 30 seconds to just show a guy talking in the middle of a field to preview the men's race. It's like, like I put on the Twitter, it's like it took them 13 hours to fulfill their New Year's resolution of just not giving women's racing its its honest yeah. due. No, that was a yeah. bummer, and it looked like uh, the report I saw was that it was um, bumped for like some sort of concert or something that was happening. So I don't, I don't know. I, I okay, what? Who is okay? Who is in the concert? Well, I don't. I don't if think it was, if it was Bonnie <laughs> Tyler, then maybe. I think it was some sort of symphony type of thing. Uh, actually, Tim. So um, yeah, I can't think of any Belgian musicians. It was Tintin. <laughs> okay i i got you gave me nothing here i got so, nothing to go off of i was trying to think of so, bad euro music and all i could think of was kmfdm <laughs> all oh, I could they're think, gonna rock yeah. you <laughs> all i could think about was katie compton destroying the yeah. field today in crazy conditions guys with a win like that katie compton has to be a favorite going into the world championships and the end of this world cup season i mean like one of the two favorites besides Sané Khan. I would yeah. think so. Although PFP wasn't in the field today, but it was pretty PFP impressive. PFP had a great race the other day. She's definitely going to be a threat. But I, yeah, I got to think Sané Khan and Katie Compton are your head and shoulders above the rest uh, favorites for Worlds. And we've got some more interesting news about Katie Compton coming up in the pre-lap. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that. But I mean, seriously, this this win today by Katie, it was fantastic. I don't, you know, the men's race was somewhat of a duel. It was but, real um, good for like four laps. It was real, real good for four laps. Now, the, there's one good lap, and it's the lap where you see Vanderpool go to the front and put the herd on Wout, and then it's boring again, pretty much. Has, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the okay. Let's let's talk briefly about that. Okay. Um, and the reason I say briefly is I could not. I was having difficulty seeing past Vanderpool's new Canyon bike <laughs> and that crazy uh-huh. top tube, to the point that even when he did his introduction video, there's an introduction video over on Cycling News, and you can see him talking about the bike, and you can get the English subtitles. He even says, "Yes, it looks a little strange, but it's a fun bike to ride." Like, like he's even pointing out that it is a crazy looking bike. Yeah, well, and the selling point, right? Yeah, sure, but he and he, you know, he's got the he goes through the Durace hyd, uh, hydraulic disc brakes that he's got, and how that's on all his bikes now on the road too, and blah blah blah. And then he went out and thoroughly crushed it at the race today. Um, now I know, little guy, this is one of your favorite days because all the New Jerseys and everything. Yeah, it uh, wasn't well, it wasn't too big of a shakeup out there today, at least in the men's race. Though the the Marlux team were a little different. I kind of like their new digs with the like armbands sort of integrated in. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see them because they were like, what Kevin got eighth or something. Tim, you're on. Yeah. You're on Kevin. Pretty far. I think he was, was sixth. Yeah. I think he was a little better than that. Okay, yeah. six. He did a little better than that. And then uh, what Michael Van Tornot from that team that was one of the two to go down Eesh. on the barriers along with Walt Van Air. But oh, he, Michael t- he hit it hard. Hit it hard. And I feel him as a guy who did the same thing but not trying to bunny hop but like fell on the second barrier last year and it just like destroyed my whole season um so is it hurts. similar to like how he was bunny hopping and you were running over yeah at, the barriers yeah, 20 it's very what similar. is it now it's 2018 so 2016 i did that and like <laughs> messed up my rib and broke my bike and it was terrible it hurts so bad mm. so well um that was not cool to see. It was so muddy, though. You couldn't really even see the kits today. Um, 
the the Corlux team though they did have a new kit and i saw a little k-pow uh interview before the race started one of those um while everybody's pre-riding interviews and the new kit looks all right they've got a new secondary sponsor um i i can't remember what it is but i'm gonna call it um marlux bazinga right now because it was like a funny little like name sort of like that with an exclamation point and it looked very happy and i think so i think you'd be into it little guy so it's no longer napoleon games no yeah no it's it's like bazinga okay or something bingo bingo something marlux bingo that's just sponsored by the game bingo possibly well it was a um did one of the things that stuck out to me at the course and spencer you talked about this a little bit later on your twitter was the permanent look of the course like the the fencing around the course was wooden barricades it was very strange to the point that it looked like those barriers were actually like stapled into the ground or you know dug into the ground they weren't going to move and then you posted later that it's actually a full-time like cyclocross park where the course is just that's the course. So you go ride yeah. the course. It's like the Jeep, it's like the Sven Nice bicycle yeah. park. Yeah, so that's the yeah, that's the whole Sven Nice uh, complex there. So I guess you can go uh, rent it out or check it out and do some laps, borrow a bike and uh you know, so if if anybody's on vacation over in in Belgium, could be uh something to do. So now with it also being a silly season for cyclocross, um, the internet was a buzz, especially Twitter. Probably the the winning uh, the winning uh, entry into owning the new sponsorship yeah. changes was hashtag the big reveal from Helen Wyman and uh, her husband Stefan, who uh, put it all together, and they unveiled all of their sponsors in thirty eight second videos, including her new title sponsor. Um, which is a concrete waterproofing company, which outside the industry, pretty awesome. I don't have any concrete to waterproof, oh. but you know, if I did, I would uh, definitely be going that way. But my favorite part was that one of her sponsors is number 38 of MotoGP, Bradley Smith, who rides for the KTM okay. team. And uh, he's like number 38. That's why all the videos were 38 seconds long. <laughs> he's got a little, uh, he's got a little uh, number on her Jersey and he's a MotoGP like, car like bike racer it's Whoa. awesome and he's sponsoring the squad cool. yeah it's i didn't cool. know that that's awesome yeah he, he has it's been a little while since he's had a podium that's but, all right you know he's a full time on the circuit i mean the, there's only what 26 people that are on the moto gp circuit full time yeah. or something like that that's yeah. pretty cool oh, that's see. awesome so. yeah she definitely crushed it i saw a bunch of those videos um i mean the kind human bikes obviously were a big one everybody wanted to know what uh what the bike sponsor would be so i think that's a uh uh, an unbelievable get for them you know like she will be on podiums yeah. many many times in the next few years and uh that that sponsorship is going to pay dividends and i'm sure some people that want to buy concrete will be watching those races too and that's going to be great for them which well, she's going to have the leg up when they do that cyclocross race in the home depot parking lot over there in belgium and uh you know all the pallets of uh concrete blocks now that was pretty cool. Her new kit looks great. Um, the Kind Human uh, sponsorship, uh, a lot of us listeners and uh, fans of the podcast, I'm sure we're hoping for a Klein bicycle sponsorship. It just fell through at mm-hmm. the last minute from mm-hmm. what I've heard. And uh, yeah, so other than that, uh, it was pretty cool to see the uh, the racing today thanks to uh, Trek Bikes and the free coverage. Yeah. Pretty cool. We uh, We also got a little scare there at the end of the race, didn't we, guys? 
with uh with Wout? Yeah, I guess. I mean, what am I scared of? Second place will be open. Ouch! Boom. Oh no! I mean, he looked uh, injured. He looked hurt. He looked hurt. Yeah, that's not good. I was worried that he fell because he was holding that left wrist, which he has that giant, massive watch. Yeah, that looks like he has like a Dick Tracy watch on. <laughs> He's gonna watch TV during the race on that uh-huh. thing, and he was holding his wrist. And I was wondering if he fell, and the you know what ended up hurting him was that the impact from the ground through that massive watch hurting his wrist. And I was like, I wonder if he'll rethink wearing this giant thing on his arm, but I don't know what it was exactly. I don't think so. Uh, I do you get so about the bunny hopping. We had two mm-hmm. of the guys fall. I don't remember if Michael Ventorna fell in the last lap or the second to last lap, but toward the end of the race, guys were looking haggard. Mm-hmm. And I wonder about what the what was the point of bunny hopping that at that point? Like it was it didn't seem to be any faster like Vermeersh was running it and he seemed just as yeah. fast like it sort of felt like Yeah. I know the guys kind of almost all bunny hop now all the time, but especially while like you're going in the last lap of a super hard race like that, just walk that thing. You've got a cushion to third place, yeah, you know? He did. Uh, yeah, I, I can't know. answer that, but I think, uh, you know, we're in the age of bunny hopping, you know? Like, yeah, I know, but I mean, think of there's it. There's a time. Think of it in, not, in okay. a couple years when, when they're doing cross clinics and teaching the kids how to do things. They're not even teach them how to dismount. <laughs> you know yeah i guess but i mean but it's races like that when you're so tired that it feels yeah. like at a certain point just a... run it because the chance the gain isn't worth it anymore you know when you when you're gonna fall and hurt yourself is there a um is there a way to make the barriers more exciting in the race because like now that they're just bunny hopping you're like okay so one out of every you know a hundred times there's gonna be a crash gonna be a pretty epic crash but whatever they're all bunny hopping like could they find a way to do like one of those uh, mini golf windmills or something? So like you've got a time when you're going over the barriers. Uh, like I don't you got a like, window and you got to jump through. I mean, there's a crash probably every race. I feel like. Yeah, it just run it. I guess. Yeah, you know, drive side dismount, run it. I mean, I cool. I guess I don't. I mean, like I feel the same way locally. Like, what's the point of the barriers? If you put together a good course, like yeah, the course today. I mean. Obviously, it was hard enough. They had to get off their bikes like six, seven times a lap. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. It's it's not like there wasn't uh, tech and power sections and all those things. It's not like no. when we used to first do cross races and kind of the only tech thing was would the barriers, be yeah. the triple barriers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I just made the joke, you know, a minute ago about uh, about the dismounting uh, being an- antiquated technology, but really. It's the barriers that are antiquated in cyclocross. Like they don't yeah. need to be there anymore. We've found more exciting ways to create courses that are more challenging than just barriers, right? Yeah, I don't. It's yeah, it doesn't seem an exciting thing. And I mean, I I bet Wout's going to totally agree that we should get rid of the barriers because <laughs> almost every race, at some point, Vanderpool gets at least a two or three second gap on him on the barriers. Yeah. Um, Van and he has to either waste energy fast on the barriers. He bunny hops them twice as fast as everyone else. It's insane. No, it's true. And, and maybe to your point, Tim, that that's why they should stay in there. Cause obviously one guy, <laughs> like, can you, it's boggling my mind how good Vanderpool is and think of how good Wout is. Like Wout had almost a minute on, on third place. So on the, the Fidea combo with Sweek that we're fighting it out for third place. Yeah. So Wout if Vanderpool wasn't around, Wout would be having 
one of the greatest seasons ever in cyclocross. I mean, yep. he's obviously on great form. It's got to be so frustrating to be. I, he's got to be like hitting all his numbers. His coach probably isn't letting him go on group rides. The numbers are looking super good, and still you're getting well, crushed every week. You know, I think that yeah, it's to the point that I I can't believe I started the anybody but Vout <laughs> fan club. Yeah, um, you know, like I want him to come back and dominate. It, Cyclocross is built around rivalries. I understand that. They like each other. They're good buddies, similar in the U.S. style of Powers and Hyde. But it's like, you know, at some point, I, I'm, I'm quickly getting on the train that, that these two are bad for Cyclocross. I should just go for road and we can just, like, get five people fighting for the title. Kevin Paul is getting involved because these two guys are just too damn good. <laughs> they are. Like but- even Stybar was not this good no. in dominating. These kids yeah. <laughs> were dominating when they were, should have been in the U23 yeah. category. But I, did you feel like, I feel like if those, both those guys just disappeared next year, even if we had great battles every race, it would feel like a letdown. Cause you would know in the back of your mind, we're only seeing this, and these guys are only winning yeah. because Vanderpool and and Wout decided to take winner off and win Perry Roubaix. And like, I disagree because the just like Lizzie Armistead said at the Richmond Cycling World Championships when we were in that press conference with our press passes, and people were like, Is, "Does your win mean less because Marianne Voss wasn't at the start line?" And she said, yeah. "No, you're taking away from the ability of all these other world class athletes that are here, and because Vanderpool." And Vout are going to go out into the world, and they're going to blossom, and they're no longer going to be our secret. They're no longer going to be our 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 favorite people ever. Um, we're gonna, uh, you know, have to um, give up on the, the the hope of them, you know, just dominating. Yeah, it, it's so bad. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you, Tim. Because man, you stick Vanderpool in a road race and he wins. Like he won a bunch of stuff this summer against yeah, World Tour teams. It's going to be great. And then we can say that was one of ours. That's why cyclocross is important. Yeah, we develop them and then we push them but- out the door. And then every now and then <laughs> we're here to welcome back with open arms to Zednik Stybar. Tell me if Stybar came back, it wouldn't be the greatest thing ever. He's not going to win Paris Roubaix before Matthew Vanderpool does. And so Stybar <laughs> is going to come back, and That's we're going to be like the. The promise that the the chosen one has returned. Yeah, that'd be, be good. It's true. He's Vanderpool will win Roubaix before Stybar. Just even though Spencer's doesn't seem to want to no. agree with that, no. I'm going to go with Tim on this one. I think Vanderpool. Is I'm going to. I'm going to go. I'm not going to only first. disagree, but I'm going to call. I'm going to call a shot now that Stybar wins Peru Bay this year, 2018. Uh, okay, super rookie guarantee. Well, it does not happen. 2021. When when Vanderpool's contract is up and he's won the World Cup and he's won the Olympic mountain bike race, uh-huh. um, and he goes he jumps to the road, I say he beats Wout in a sprint on the velodrome. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, all you guys and your all this fancy talk, you're getting into the point of the show where it is obvious that cyclocross season is over. Mm, and what's on no. the tip of our minds, the foremost of our minds? Oh. Tour Down Under updates. <laughs> I can't wait to get through the Tour Down Unders. Did you guys see the um, the uh, yeah, update tell, the other day that uh, Ro- Robert <laughs> Robert Gessink? I'm just gonna I'm gonna just gonna cut you off of, right uh, now. Of yellow, blue, blue, we're going to the pre um, Slow Ride Podcast. Messi Brachel, think of Saxon. I'm Lauren Stevens, and I'm here at the World Championships Road Race. This is Liam from Podium Insight. Rasan Bahadi. I'm Alex Dowser, and normally I'm racing for Movie Star. Here I'm racing for Team GB. 
You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Wow. Here we are in the pre-lap. Once again on the Slow Ride Podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Health IQ, healthiq.com slash slow ride. Mm-hmm. It's all about science and common sense. They're going to save you money on your life insurance because you're a better person than everyone else that isn't an athlete. It's it's basically that. That's, a, that's the copy they gave you, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> now, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all true, but they say it a little bit nicer. You know, they, they get special rates yeah. for cyclists and runners and triathletes and other health conscious people. Um, and you can qualify by scoring elite on a quiz uh, for your lifestyle. Well, I'm going to assume you're a cyclist because you're listening to this show and there's no other reason to because, you know, we're not funny or anything like that. And Tim, Tim's not a runner, even though he runs. He's like a jogger. Yeah, um, jogger. <clears throat> but Health IQ is, uh, you know, they will save you money on your life insurance um, if you are a health conscious individual. So you can go there, score elite on the quiz and you'll save instantly some, something like 5%. And then you can build on that from there. Uh, once you're qualified, everything that you do will save you money. Um, they will forgive you one incidence of family history. Um, so let me just jump in. The quizzes are good, simple, easy to go over, but the the important thing, like the questions they ask, like on the running quiz, they don't ask like, hey, what are you supposed to do with your hands when you're at the stoplight? Or are you supposed to run in place? Because those don't have real answers, even though we know that they do. They actually ask like quantitative things to make sure that you're an athlete that knows what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So head over to healthiq.com slash slow ride to uh, find out more. And um, we'd also like to thank the supporters of the Wide Angle Podium yes. Network. And we are proud to announce that um, – we have a sponsorship that is a direct result of the supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. The fat cats that own this uh, network mm-hmm. are, aren't aren't sitting back on their boats going up and down the Mississippi winning the crit scene. No, they're pat they're paying it forward. <laughs> and uh, Spencer, yeah, what 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 is the big announcement? Right. I'll let you I'll let you take uh, ownership the, here. The big announcement that uh, we we let out of the bag here uh, January one, twenty eighteen, is that uh, the Wide Angle Podium is becoming an official. Sponsor and official partner of Katie Compton and her 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 chase of the world championship stripes and just uh it's pretty awesome to have Katie on the team of the network and the podcast and we asked her a question on Twitter she has not responded mm-hmm. yet is the wide angle is the slow ride podcast partnership the greatest or best part of her 2018 so yeah. far it's uh, it's probably she's probably really got to think that one over you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Especially after this mm-hmm. morning's race, after winning, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, but we're we're super excited about it. We we you know we we have these donations come in. We give them to all the shows. We have this advertising come in. Health IQ is a big part of that. You know, all of that happens because you guys are listeners and you guys are downloading the shows. You guys are subscribing on iTunes. You guys are leaving reviews, and you guys are signing up and and giving us donations. And and we felt like it was the right thing to do is to turn that around and to do something that we could, you know, give back to the cycling scene. That's, that's supporting us. That's supporting this network. So we couldn't think of a better person to sponsor than Katie Compton. She is, she pretty much personifies everything that we're all about. You know, she's built her program, her and her husband, Mark have built this thing from the ground up. It's awesome. Uh, she's a great advocate for the sport. She's always like super friendly to everyone. And, 
you know, she's at the top of her game, just just like the Slow that, Ride podcast. Yep. Yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's for sure true. right there. <laughs> um, now, she has done an interview in the past on We Got to Hang Out. You should go check that out in their back mm-hmm. catalog. She will be um, showing up on Crosshairs Radio to talk about the season, and I am sure that she has already circled the date <laughs> uh, for when she's going to show up on the Slow Ride podcast mm-hmm. and uh, – Really crush it. Yeah. So uh, we're excited. We'd like to thank everybody. Go over to WideAnglePodium.com. Find out more if you want to become a member. Or... Let me uh, briefly oh. mention that we also have the Wide Angle Podium app that you can download uh, from the App Store, oh, iTunes yeah. App Store, or the uh, Google Play App Store. Um, you know, personal preference there, I guess. Mountain Dew, Diet Mountain Dew kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out. You get all the shows there if you haven't checked out uh bike shop cx or we got to hang out or any of the other ones kids don't follow just had a brand new uh episode drop today so that's always a fun one um you get them there they pop into your phone you can listen to them at your leisure you don't have to go searching them out it's an easy way to do it and uh again it's another thing you can do that uh helps support us and cyclocross world-class cyclocross in general that's right what do you got little guy well before you interrupted us with that terrible Tour Down Under break, Tim, that Spencer thankfully cut you off on, we we were talking about the future. And I was thinking, it's 2018 now, maybe we'd look back. <laughs> Enough thinking about the future. Let's let's think about the past. <laughs> let's, let's think about the past for a second, close out this preem lap, and then get back into the future. So, you guys, we're going to look back at the past of cycling. We, we made some predictions for the future. Do you guys have, if you could take a time trial bike time machine into the past, you jump on your BMC time machine, you go downhill, you hit 88 miles an hour, mm-hmm. you can go back to any race you want ever and, and watch that race be a spectator at the race you don't get to be in the race because you're still slow even though you went back in time <laughs> you're still the same speed you are now uh-huh. but say you can go back in time and watch you know you could watch uh lance's first win and feel the magic uh, of believing mm-hmm. uh you know where would you guys what would you do what would you pick this is a very, very, very curious way to go back into time um, on a BMC to get time on machine a bike to eighty-eight miles an hour. Huh. Um, you know, when you drop this idea in the podcast green room, I was uh, a lot of consternation came over my face because there's just so many, so much bike racing that I would love to sit on the side of a road in France in sweltering heat. For 13 seconds of action as the caravan <laughs> oh, wow. came by, Tim, you're a big and I was fan, like, huh? I was like, I was like, you know, this is a horrible idea when you're coming at it from the uh, the road perspective. Oh, okay. So you just want to go back like, and watch TV? Right. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go to a road race because they're boring. They they're much better watching on TV. So then I started thinking, like, all right, well, maybe I'll go to the Olympics and go to the um, like the track cycling. Uh, uh, Olympics, and even that is ruined because the UCI has determined that the Omnium <laughs> is the only time that you get to the see uh, cool bike races, uh-huh. and then the Kirin is only on one mm-hmm. day, and then that's it. Um, you know, the good old days of the World Championships when you'd have like entire sessions 
are no longer uh, seem to be the, the the norm at the Olympics. Which, by the way, building a brand new velodrome for only like eight medal sports is ridiculous. But that's a whole nother uh, section. So if I went back into time, I'm going to go to the 2012 Summer Olympics in um, London, England. Okay. And actually, while I'm there, I'm going to be hanging out, thinking a little bit because I, you know, I'm on a time machine, so I'm going to be dressed to the nine, looking good, kind of making fun of, uh, you know, like not giving away the fact that Bradley Wiggins is totally probably getting a, a jiffy bag of some kind, uh, you know, around this time. Yeah. But I am going to go straight to the mountain bike oh, race okay. where Kohavi and Nino Schurter were battling forever in the uh, the victory. Because I can see multiple laps. I can see all the action in front of me. There's no trees to block the mountain biking views. Um, there's a couple of sweet rock uh-huh. gardens. And then I don't know if you remember where Fontana like broke his uh, seat off of his uh, bike. So he rode the whole last lap with just a seat post exposed. So it was totally dangerous. Uh, that was an amazing day. That was good. And that would be the men's mountain bike cross-country race at the 2012 Olympics would be exactly where I'd go because – Man, what an awesome day of watching racing. I could sit there on the side of the mountain, drink some brewskis, have some fun, and see the entire that's race. True. That's, that's it's great. Point. No other race allows you to do that. It's a very good right. point. It's, that's good. I didn't, think, I didn't even think that. about mountain biking. What's weird yeah, is that exactly. you could have gone to that one because <laughs> it's only a couple years ago. But You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the t- recent history is always the best because you can still go back to recent history and mm. – even though you think that you're not going to affect change, the butterfly effect. You know, if I have one more beer here before <laughs> uh-huh. you know it, um, mm-hmm. you know. All right, maybe you're, maybe you're a cat one now. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, all right. exactly. All, all it would take was one more beer in 2012. Could have been. <laughs> could have been. All right. That's what I've got. 2012 men's mountain bike race at the London Olympic That's Games. Good. That's pretty good. All right. Um, That's good I was thinking about this as well. It didn't take me long. I didn't go through a whole rigmarole. I don't need to give a, 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 a Churchill-esque speech about how I came to my conclusion because I'm just going to go back and see the one greatest one-day race that has ever happened, and that is the 1989 World Championship Road Race, which Greg LeMond won. Ah. You think that's the greatest one-day on race YouTube. that ever happened? Pouring rain, downhill it's sprint, good. Sean Kelly. Oh, man. It, yeah, was, it's good. it was a nail-biter all the way to the end. I didn't know who was going to win, even though I knew who was going to win. And <laughs> it's an incredible race. If you haven't seen it, go pull it up on YouTube. You can find most of it there. Um, <laughs> it's it's so cool, and it's so cool to see Greg LeMond winning. Um I don't know. I you couldn't ask for a more epic uh, day or or even sprint. Um, I thought it was really good. So that's good. I that would be a tough one. I didn't think about that race. I was thinking I would go to uh, the 1988 Milan San Remo because mm. one Fignon wins. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the first of his two wins in the race. So I'd be the only person there knowing that he's going to win the next year too. Um, but also, he'd, he'd been going through kind of a, a dry spell for a few years there. And so it was kind of a uh, – he was kind of coming back party for him. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm in Italy. I want to kind of do it Tim's style. I want to be in a little cafe that's on the course, mm-hmm. just sitting mm-hmm. there 
just having having a coffee, just relaxing. And he comes down to a sprint with an Italian, and he dusts him. And so <laughs> I'm really going to enjoy the anger and cursing around this cafe uh-huh. as as one of my favorite writers wins. And and all the locals are obviously not happy at all. <laughs> so. Did they have quality television coverage of these races in the late 80s? I'm a little worried that there'd be a lot of, uh, I, you know, well, coverage breaks, you know, some... I'm in Italy. like watching a, a bicycle race today. No, but Tim, I'm in Italy. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure at least currently in Italy, uh, Milan San Remo has to be on TV. It's like, it's, yeah. it's the law. So, I'm pretty sure that if there's one place in the world where I can get good TV coverage, it's going to be in Italy on the course Mm-hmm. You know, at that mm-hmm. point. Now, if you could choose one place to, would the cafe be on the Poggio, the Cipressa? <laughs> would it be on the main street of Melanson? Yeah, uh, like, wh- where are you going to watch climb, the 13 seconds? If it could be on the climb on the Poggio, but there isn't a cafe on the Poggio. Then no. maybe, I, maybe I'll make friends with some people that are just watching it, like in their garage, and I'll just sit there with them. You know, you know, I am a little disappointed that the people that live on the Poggio, yeah, who we're going to see, you know, see their houses again. Like where are the block parties? Like why why aren't people having parties in their driveway for when when the race comes by? A lot of times it's just like, oh man, the the race is coming by again. I can't use the road for the next thirty minutes. Like there there doesn't seem to be the whole, uh, well, you know, it's hard to tell let's, though. Let's go have crazy. Maybe though, maybe that spot on Milan San Remo where the flares are set off every year. Maybe that's just a really overly enthusiastic <laughs> party, mm-hmm. like of neighbors <laughs> right. in that area, you know. Well, I think that uh, going back in in time with your with our history bikes, our time machine would be a a, a great experiment. Um, but I, th- I think you have to go. You got to get bang for your buck. You have to go where you can watch a lot of bike racing. Spencer, you going back to the 1989 World Championships, getting soaked in the rain? That sounds like a miserable experience. <laughs> you, you, you get so wet, um, and you can't bring like space age umbrella from the future. I mean. Oh, yeah, gotta, that's true. You, you got to think, bang for your buck. Sometimes you'd have to blend in with 1988 rain technology. How would you do it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm, uh, that's not really my biggest concern. Like, and and unlike Tim, I'm not really looking for bang for buck. Like, as far as a quantity over quality thing, I'm looking for bang for buck, quality over quantity. I want to see. I'll take yeah. that 13 seconds of glory of pure mm. magic. You know, over like five laps of whoever versus whoever on a mountain bike. Speaking of uh, quantity over quality, little guy, did you see that um, all four Lethal Weapons are now going to be on Netflix um, starting in January? Oh, so really? Is, okay, yeah. For your next, uh, for our next cycling movie uh, uh, creation, that's good. I've only seen the you, first you know, two. I've never seen the third right. with the Pesci and. I don't even know what the fourth is. You know, speaking of Netflix, and I know I mentioned this before, Stranger Things, you guys, it's good. But you know what? They messed the bikes up real bad in that show. Hmm. How did they mess them up? They're not period correct. There's a shot at one point, a close-up of one of the bikes. It has three-piece cranks. There's no way some 12-year-olds rolling around in 1983 had three-piece cranks. Did either of you have three-piece cranks? No. And we're this is eighty, yeah. like we're like later eighties when we're rolling around our BMX bikes. No, nobody had three piece cranks. That was insane. You you can see pictures of the pros from like nineteen eighty three, and they're walk rocking one piece cranks. 
you know, as a as a nerd, it was a very like overall very fun, entertaining show. But as a as a bike nerd, I was pausing it all the time and looking at Caitlin and being like, "What the hell's that? Look at those handlebars." She's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Those." There's, those handlebars are not from 1983. That's that's wrong. And pegs? Who would have pegs on the back of their bike in 1983? Nobody. Only a child from the future. And there's no <laughs> children from the future in the show. <laughs> okay, uh, so you know, you know how there, there's been a lot of rem, like uh, there's a lot of people like complaining about kids not riding bikes anymore, right? Like there's this yeah. classic like oh everyone's playing video games. Yeah. No oh. one's. Out. I don't know about you guys, but down here. I've been seeing a lot of kids, youth, without their parents, without just rolling around on the sidewalk on their BMX bikes, and it's great. I actually go out of my way to wave to those kids more than I do when I see, like, the little kid on the BMX walking with his uh, parents. You know, he's got his helmet and his elbow pads on. I like the kids that are out there in their BMX bikes. You know, maybe they just smoked a cigarette for the first time. They're not wearing a helmet. They're going the wrong way against traffic. They may be popping a bunch of wheelies. They seem like really cool kids, kind of waving, and you wave at them, and they're like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And then they're going, and they're like maybe you know, 15, 16 years old riding bikes. It's pretty damn cool to see. Yeah. That is that is the true future, way, way better than seeing the three-year-old walking down the, you know, on training wheels down the sidewalk. Well, yeah, that kid's got training wheels. I mean, they're obviously not making it. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I agree with you. I've been noticing a lot more kids on bikes, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I've been noticing a bit. I gotta say, skating seems to be bigger where I am now. You know, or in this neighborhood, all the kids are skating. That's kind of sad. Like Those in, wheels are too small. Skating? No, no, like skateboards. Oh, okay. I know. I know. Hey, I'm, um, I know. I'm in Minnesota still. You. So you're like you assume that it's just it's only inline skating here since it's the only place in the country where it seems to still exist. But we. Uh... We didn't get any uh, reviews on the uh, Apple podcast, but we did get a pretty sweet email um, from Kevin Hayes. Hits us up. Subject line, European champion of beach racing. Guys, I recently got an Instagram follow from Jasper O'Colone. And upon looking into his profile, it comes to fruition that he is the 2017 European champion of beach racing. First, I think I knew beach Bike racing was a thing, but I was not aware that it is something you can get a UCI European Championship jersey hmm. for. So many questions. And what do you all, like, what do you know about Jasper? And what other obscure European Championships are out there that you should be keeping an eye out for? I did not know about this. Did you guys? No, I just did a Google search for this. What? This is a thing? Why is this different than just cyclocross? Well, and then he goes on and he says, and the other question, like, what time of year is beach racing season? Are there some famous beach racing courses? And lastly, are fat bikes like the key to beach racing? I didn't know any of this. The only beach racing I know about is from um, the classic hit television show Pacific Blue. Um, And that's pretty much all all I can get. Uh, I have not seen this, but Kevin, thanks for asking. Um, The beaches of Florida are not packed with kids out practicing their beach racing. And uh, I have only seen videos, you know, the classic video of Sven Nice doing the uh, the figure eight in the sand. There's some videos of uh, Vanderpool out there riding in the sand uh, the last few weeks. But uh, beach racing, so it's a I, thing. I have not heard about this. I have not googled it yet, like uh, like little guy has. But I'm going to imagine this this is similar to like how they have, you know, they have the indoor cycling. We just talked about the World Championships that had happened a few weeks ago. Um, and then, and then they have this beach racing and it's kind of like how they have indoor volleyball and beach volleyball. And it's gotta be, 
similar in that way. Like um, the beach one is just kind of the same thing, but maybe sexier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like it's in winter and hmm. it looks just flat. So it's going to be cold I... in, in the, in the uh, banana hammocks and whatnot. Yeah. Are they wearing Dutch dudes? Are they wearing triathlon attire? No, no they got sleeves. They're just wearing skin suits and stuff. They're all riding like mountain bikes and cross bikes. And huh. speaking of triathlon attire, guys, yeah. what's up with the the midriff shirt? Have you noticed that? Like no, the, Tim. No, the I don't watch much it's triathlon. Like, it's like the tank top that doesn't go all the way down. Yeah, and, I know. And what I a know people have helped is. us out with the visor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Wait. Yeah, I've seen that, but what? I mean, I guess it's less shirt. It's less shirt to carry around. Yeah, but it's like um, <laughs> it's all marginal it's, gains, it's just, dude. If you have less yeah, clothes just, on, you're going to be that much faster than your competitor all right. with all their extra clothing. I don't know. Well, and the other <laughs> the other big news that we do need to talk about that is far more important than all of the gibberish we have been uh, yammering on about, and that is the creation of the Women's Bike Racing Union. Um, we were going to talk about this last week as one of the feel-good stories of the year because they're really just calling out some of the in, uh, inequalities that we're seeing in the women's yeah. race scene, yeah. such as that um, about 18% of the racers in the UCI Women's Pro Tour Peloton go completely unpaid. Like it is, yeah, like they're insane. not even getting paid. Um, and the nearly half of them make less than seven thousand dollars a year U.S. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And this is, you know, they're doing their part to try to raise up these key points to really get the uh, the needle moving. Yeah, and we've talked about the value that you can get out of the women's uh, professional race scene. Uh, I think is definitely there. Hopefully, it will. Uh, change what's happening but what are your guys thoughts oh i'm i'm i was so excited to see this i mean yeah like you said and i know there's that good article over at cycling tips and it's a depressing read um but depressing read for the reasons why it has to be created um but i'm glad they're doing it because it doesn't seem like the current riders union that seems very men's focused and doesn't get Mm -hmm. anything done Anyway, um, was going to, I mean, they don't get, they, they seem completely focused on the men and then they also seem useless at the same time. So yes. yeah, I, I'm yes. glad that the, the women, uh, cyclists have taken it upon themselves to get, get it together. Cause there's no point waiting for the guys to do anything. No, that's true. To, for their, their horrible riders associations that mean nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they don't have any, no power. So yeah. I'm, hopefully the women's one will, will be able to take a very different tact and, and, and they, enact some real change in the sport. They seem like it already. Yeah. They're, they're coming out guns blazing. They've got some good stuff put together. I would uh, suggest checking out that, that article uh, that was mentioned or, or just visiting their website and, and taking a look, figuring out what they're all about. But yeah. What's up with that men's riders union? Like we had dudes getting hit by motorcycles like every other day and they didn't do anything. And all kinds of other safety stuff and just things you would expect like somebody to come up and have done something about. And I can't remember anything that they've actually done. I, well, they don't have so a lot of, I mean, there's the structure, they the have sport no power. is, is it, yeah. it is against them. I, I shouldn't just throw them completely under the bus, like the writers union. Um, but yeah, I mean, really they're I not will. in a position. <laughs> they're not in a position though with like right. much let me, let me, power. Let me back this bus. Let me back well, the slow ride podcast. You back it up and throw right them back up. So the first thing I want to say is this Women's Riders Union is actually going to probably have some of the most power, I think, of all of them because what do they have to lose, yeah. right? Yeah, I that's mean, true. You, you, they, they, over half of the racers have to um, 
pay back their team for travel and for any of like the, 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 the services that they get out of not just their prize money. I mean, it's crazy. Um, so women, the women's organization is going to have a lot more power than the men's because the men, they've done the classic job of overpaying like team leaders to the point that those team leaders aren't going to care about the, the men's union, right? Yeah. Like a Chris Froome isn't caring about what, um, you know, Dan Craven at Europe car is doing during that year, just because the, the, you know, they're so far apart in, in what they're doing yeah. in their, their race career. And, you know, then you get the guys like TJ Van Garter and there's no way TJ Van Garter <laughs> likes anything that you, the riders union does. Um, you know, he's just going to find something that complains about everything. Um, I, the, the men's riders union has been a waste of time. They were the ones that fought against radio, like the earpieces yeah. in the radio, which is ridiculous because that was never given a fair shot. There should no, there should be no ra- race radio in any of those ears for any of the riders in any of these races. It was never, uh, th- that still makes me mad how they ruined bike racing by the, <laughs> the one thing that the riders union did yeah. was like, Ooh, we're not going to race because we don't have someone telling us what to do. Cause we're not smart enough to figure it out on our own. It was ridiculous. No, it's true. I mean, Riders Union, they're done. <laughs> well, obviously, they, they claimed it was a safety issue, and obviously that hasn't helped in the but, last few okay. years. So, so let's say it was a safety issue, right? Yeah, obviously it wasn't. On the, this race radio thing. Why not have a race radio that the only person that can talk into it is the radio tour? Oh, yeah, totally. The person that's in the car that says, hey, there's sand on the upcoming corner. Why do you need to have um, Johan Brunil in the car yelling at you? like where to go and where to attack you become a robot yeah like i want the racers to uh figure it out and the riders union was against that and that still makes me mad no i mean yeah i think you're totally right that that there is such a pay discrepancy that it is hard to get everybody (laughs) on board you know yeah well good luck to the women's one i i want to see that uh grow and uh you know they definitely deserve a lot more than they're getting so yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there um, anything else that you guys got on your docket that you wanted to talk about? Um, I, I'm all strike through on my list. No, I think I think we hit it all. I think we knocked it all out of the park, basically. Crushed. Well, once again, I mean, we're, we're here to uh, service you. So if you have any questions, anybody, uh, email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts for a review. We also like to thank all the people that tweet us and follow us on Instagram at the Slow Ride Pod. We love all the fans and the supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network who are now sponsors of Katie Compton. And uh, thanks to Health IQ at healthiq.com slash slowride. Find out more how you can save your money on your life insurance. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida, reminding you to always wave at your fellow cyclists. This is Matt in Minneapolis. This is Spencer in Boston. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.